Welcome to the world's first ever super duper extra awesome Canada's Pinball Podcast. This is episode 248. I'm your host, Canada. Let's talk about what is going on in the pinball world in the summer of 2018. Now, the theme of this show is going to just be about the inability for certain companies to just pull the plug. And you know who I'm talking about. And something happened uh, last week that we heard was going to happen, and now it actually did happen. And that was Dutch Pinball has set up, or they didn't set it up personally, but there is a GoFundMe page that has been set up to raise money to help Dutch Pinball figure a path forward to the manufacturing of the Big Lebowski pinball machine. And I wanna sort of talk about this from a few different angles because I actually reached out to somebody on the donation list who ended up donating 100 euros to, to seeing this thing through. Now, as of today, Dutch Pinball has raised 750 euros. That's roughly a little bit less than a thousand US dollars. Their goal, they're close to it. Their goal is, are you sitting down? 500,000 euros they're looking to raise on this GoFundMe page. And I don't want to read the whole thing. Um, this seems to be the efforts of the Seattle 7, a group of pinheads uh, that, that are f- uh, funding the startup of Dutch Pinball. And they want Dutch to build this pin, right? And they say, if you donate money, you can actually win prizes even all the way up to a Big Lebowski pinball machine in every donation of, get this, 20,000, sorry, is this 20 euros? Has a chance of winning one of the 15 dudes' cars, one of 10 translates, um, and the goal of maybe getting a machine itself. Okay, so I want to talk about why we're here. And how ridiculous it sounds that they are trying to actually get people to donate their hard-earned money to helping Dutch out of the hole. Now, I think the first thing people were just flabbergasted by was just the ultimate sticker shock of, oh my God, do these gentlemen, Barry and Yop, actually need $500,000 to get things back in, in a good place? And... The answer must be yes, and here's why. Because the Seattle 7, who set up this page, they're in constant communication with Barry and Yop. So they know firsthand uh, the financial hurdle that is in front of these two men to get the Big Lebowski produced. And it, it it's almost like because that number is so big, I think it actually is going to prevent people from really donating and trying to get them any financial support. Uh, Now, that aside, I think anybody that donates money to this GoFundMe page is kind of foolish. To me, it feels like you're throwing your money into a dumpster fire and there's no point whatsoever in doing this because they're they're never going to raise $500,000. I mean, that that is a a, a ludicrous amount of money to ask for. Uh, But what I think it is, I I think it's a wake-up call. 
And I think it's a very sobering reminder to everybody out there just how expensive it is to go into full-fledged pinball manufacturing, right? I, I, a lot of times we speculate, well, they must have a couple hundred thousand. I don't know how much money they need. But I think this finally, finally shows everybody out there that these two were nowhere near uh, uh, getting this project back on track. And that uh, ARA's lawsuit that is now upon them uh, is going to, probably most likely financially just sink the company and they will probably end up declaring bankruptcy very much the same way that highway pinball did and there will be no more dutch pinball and i the, the reason why i wanted to say um you know how this makes me feel and i think for a lot of you out there i think it sucks i think it really does suck and i, I reached out uh to dave bishop who gave a hundred dollars and i basically hit him up on facebook and i was just talking to him and i said hey by the way, like, did you really give $100 to Dutch Pinball? And he said, yes, he did. And he's an early achiever who paid in full for his Big Lebowski machine. Now, not only that, he also bought uh, some of the items that uh, Dutch Pinball is selling on their website now. There's, he, he gave them another $1,500 for a play field and I think a plastic set to go with the game that he hopes to get one day. And, you know, at first you might just say, well, how could you possibly do that? Like, how could this guy who's already out $8,500, how could he give even more money to Barry and Yop uh, to try and, you know, to, like what, it, it makes no sense, right? And I know that's the, the initial response all of us must have is you've got to be a fool. You've got to be a fool to do that. But I have to say... I feel really bad for the early achievers, and, and I understand the quagmire and the situation they're in. They're out $8,500. There is a very, very slim chance they're ever going to get a game. It's most likely that they're never going to see anything for that money. And that's a really difficult pill to swallow, and it's a lot of money. There's no way you can ever feel good about completely losing 8500 bucks and getting back absolutely nothing. But the fact that Dave donated $100 to the GoFundMe, the fact that he bought a playfield and other things from Barry and Yop, it also shows me how terribly bad people want this game. How this is a dream theme for a lot of people out there in the pinball hobby. And they really don't want anything else other than their Big Lebowski pinball machine. And it's, it's, it's really, I think this is, this and Alien, they really go down as being terribly sad stories in the end. Terribly sad stories. And a lot of people are never going to get what they paid for. I also think when we look at where the market is on the Big Lebowski, you know, Kim Mitchell selling his for $20,000. I think it's Pin Lawyer who who has a sale pending of his machine for $21,000. I, I think people will always consider the Big Lebowski to be one of the coolest pinball machines ever made. And if you're a collector, it is a machine that you would love to have. And I think the theme itself is a dream theme for a lot of people. I know I see a lot of people speculating on... Uh, you know, is it worth $20,000 now? And 
if investors see games selling for $20,000, will they jump in and help save Dutch Pinball? Because does that show them that people consider this game to be worth $20,000? Now, when I read that stuff, I think people are being a little bit foolish, maybe a, a lot bit foolish, because the only reason, and we all know this, people are spending twenty to $21,000 for a big Lebowski pinball machine is, is simply because of scarcity and simply because people feel like they're never going to make them ever again. So if you buy one for $20,000, you're betting on the fact that no more big Lebowskis will ever, ever be made. And I think it's a risky gamble. I really do. I think it's a very risky gamble because we don't know if those new in-box machines from ARA are ever going to be offered for sale. So you're, you're gambling on that. We also don't know if this game will ever be remade by somebody. Now, for the life of me, I cannot understand why, why Barry and Yop don't just sell this game to American Pinball, to Jersey Jack Pinball, to another manufacturer out there who could easily get this game into production because they have an assembly line and a manufacturing capability ready to go. I mean, I think it's absolutely inane that you would make Oktoberfest if you're American Pinball and not just go in and grab this game. The game, because we know one thing, that people really, really want it. Now, the problem is this, and this is probably why nobody will ever do that, is what do you do? If you're Davel, if you're Robert Mueller, if you're Jersey Jack, what do you do about the early achievers who paid in full and didn't get anything? Like, you just can't make those people whole. Like, there's no way to manufacture money out of thin air. And that's the problem with all of this, is once you reach the point where there isn't money in the bank buy the parts to make the games that were already purchased in full, there's nothing you can do other than sell a lot more games and increase the price, right? So let's say hypothetically each game was $8,000. You then would have to go sell future games at maybe $12,000 a pop. And then that, that way, every two games you sell, you've made enough increase to, you know, to, to pay for someone's game who already paid, right? So you get $24,000 for two games versus $24,000, you know, for three games. But it's just not going to happen. It's just not going to happen that way because um, money's gone. The money's gone and it's just not going to come from anywhere now. So it, it's really, it's really, I just feel bad for these people. I really do. I, I hate seeing these early achievers. They still have hope. They still have hope. And part of me kind of just wishes that Dutch Pinball would once and for all just say it's over, right? It, it almost feels like this game is inside some sort of pinball hospice and it's hooked up to a lifeline and the prognosis is grim. There is no recovery. There is no way to recover from this uh, unless they get like a billionaire bailout, which they're not going to get. And I, and I don't know how long this is going to drag on. I really don't. Um, so that's where we're at with the Big Lebowski pinball and this GoFundMe, which again, I think if you donate to it, I think you're just throwing your money away. I think there's a lot more good you could do with your money than that. All right. 
Let's talk about highway pinball. It's another thread that is popped up every once in a while, and it, it's just another thread that just won't really die. And I, I think people are now starting to share some of the candid stories uh, from behind the scenes of what it was like working on this title. For me, the thing that stood out the most was was Oric Lawson's comments this week, just around the artwork and what went on with the game. And I think the big thing and the big reality check is is that all of you were lied to. You were lied to about what they were able to make um, when it came to the game, the art package, uh, because as Oric says, Brian Allen's artwork was submitted to Fox and it was approved, which meant that hand-drawn artwork could have could have been used for the title itself. And I know Orc probably would have loved to have commissioned a, an artist to draw the package and art direct in the most spectacular Alien game, but he was never allowed to because Andrew told him that wasn't a possibility. And so we're learning more and more about how ridiculous and how asinine a lot of the moves were behind the scenes at Highway Pinball. The other thing that people are trying to figure out right now is how many alien pinball machines were actually made. Uh, and it seems like the consensus is less than 200 and more than 120. So somewhere in that ballpark. It's hard to tell because not all of the play fields have serial numbers on them. And I don't know if they built games in numerical order. Right, so you might have a, 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 a play field with number 254 in it. It doesn't mean that's game number 254. You also have cabinets and other games that were made uh, using full throttle cabinets and stuff like that. So that also it, it makes it difficult to track what exactly is going on with the game itself. Uh, I, I would like I would like for the Pinball Brothers to actually release the total number of games that were made and shipped. And here's why. Be even though we don't like the outcome of the company, even though things ended poorly, this game still exists out in the world. And it is now a collectible item. It, it, you know, Pinball collectors are out there. Alien Pinball was made by Highway Pinball. And roughly 200 are in the wild. Uh, it would be nice to chronicle and know for the history of pinball how many were actually produced and have an accurate number of that. Because I just think that would help people understand what they're getting into uh, if they go to buy one of these games. Uh, I still think buying an alien pinball machine is a very, very risky venture. I do think the game is a design ticking time bomb. And I know for a fact that Owning a game with these negative stories, both both Highway and Dutch are going to leave people. Take it from me. Owning both of these games will leave you disappointed. It will leave you unfulfilled. And you will eventually, eventually get rid of either one of the games. I, I just think you'll come to the realization that it is no fun owning something that is limited but has such a negative story attached to it. Now, I also think both of these games have shown me one thing and, 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 and an important lesson that I think all manufacturers should take away from this is people do want a very limited game that is rare, uh, that not everybody has, that is worth collecting. And I think I saw a lot of that, and I'm going to read more of your emails, uh, but the very mention of, of a mystery pin that is going to be made in very limited numbers without a negative story 
attached to it has piqued a lot of people's interest. So I'm not shocked by that. I don't think anybody should be shocked by that. I just think that's where we're at in the pinball world right now. All right. All right. So speaking of, I'm sort of going in reverse order where I normally start with like the big manufacturers and what's going on. Let's talk about pinball circus to be remade. And I saw this thread pop up again. And it seems like the individuals making Pinball Circus are also making Kingpin. And they've decided to make Kingpin in front of uh, Python Angelo's Pinball Circus. Now, now the thread where they announced that they were going to remake uh, you know, Pinball Circus, that thread was started four years ago. Four years ago. It's amazing how time flies um, when when people tell their pinball intentions. But it's kind of become a joke. And here's why. Python Angelo's Pinball Circus is probably one of the most weird, unique, and out-of-this-world out of pinball designs. But, but ultimately, ultimately, as funky as it is, it's also probably one of the worst design pinball machines ever to the point where it's barely playable and so now they have to try and make it playable and why even bother why bother spending four years trying to re-engineer a complete disaster i get that they want to pay homage to python angelo but ultimately at some point some point these designers of yesteryears Sometimes they have duds. Sometimes they have concepts that just should never be made. And I do think that this is one of those things that should just be laid to rest and just call it a day. Because, it, you know, years and years and years are going to go on. And I, I don't even know. Did those people who, who did they pay for those 12 prototypes? I, you know, some of you out there, you, you might be okay with freezing your money for, for four years, five years. I, I just think it's insane. I also just don't think we're going to see Kingpin anytime soon either because building one-off prototype, that's one thing. You know, ma manufacturing a game is another. You know, it, it's interesting because I want to read what they said. And again, remember, the, these guys have never manufactured anything more than like a prototype. Someone asked them, um, if they're going to go into large production in the hundreds, um, or if that's still undecided. They asked about that for Pinball Circus, and they wrote the following. Our primary objective is to get as many of these into collectors' hands as possible to honor Python, but we really have no idea how big of a run there will be yet. We know it will be smaller run than Kingpin, though. There will be 12 sample games made. After that, it all depends on ultimately what the demand will be for the production run. 250 is probably the minimum sized run where the economies of scale make it more reasonably priced. And unless someone like Chuck E. Cheese wants them for all their stores, I'm not sure there is a demand for more than 250 of them at the max. There are so many custom parts on a pinball game um, like Pinball Circus, that building them in small batches would probably make them significantly more expensive than we like them to be. But we will do that if that's what the demand determines. All right. So again, like I just think these gentlemen, I, I applaud them for their efforts. I, I think they completely don't understand like where the collector market is at. And, and by that, I mean, there is no way 
would you trust two guys basically in their basement to build 250 games? Kevin from Skippy, anybody? That's the problem. Is there's no path to manufacturing that many games by these two people or these three, whoever's on this team. There's no company. There's no warehouse. They don't have a line. This isn't spooky pinball making the games. Um, so I'm just really like, I don't even understand how when you can't even finish one of the games, you're talking to us about numbers like 250 is the minimum, is the minimum. Look how many years it took Charlie uh, to go from you know zero games to 150 to 300, and and, and Charlie has a company around him. He's he's got employees. He's got it's his focus. Uh, these gentlemen, this this isn't their livelihood. This isn't what they're doing. You know, every day for nine, ten hours a day. I, I just I think we've reached the point where. You have to be focused and dedicated to making pinball a reality. And I, I just think these projects that are sort of doing it on the side and, and it's like a side hustle thing. And then you also want to talk to people about manufacturing in the hundreds. I, I, I kind of think it's comical. I, I just don't think any of that's going to come to fruition anytime soon. All right. Again, four years ago, they said they were going to now, you know, remake Pinball Circus. Four years have passed, and now they're already on to game number two, and they didn't even finish game number one. And I, I just take it, take it for what it's worth. Take it for what it's worth. All right, all right. Somebody told me today that some of the Munsters artwork might have been put up and then yanked down immediately on pin side. Of course. I get blamed for that immediately. I did not post any Munster's artwork on Pinside. Um, I'll leave it at that. I said I wasn't going to talk about this stuff or, or leak any of the materials. Um, what I'll say is this. You know, this stuff looks great. And Stern has, I think, another hit on their hands. Uh, but Stern also doesn't want to get ahead of themselves. They want there to be hype and they want there to be attention for Deadpool when that happens later this summer. Um, from what I can tell, people seem to be lukewarm about Deadpool. They're, people are hoping that's not the design. It sure looks like a Gomez design to me. It's got like the sword lock on the right side, like Lord of the Rings. It's got the Gomez ramp, uh, like in Batman, in there. So I wouldn't be shocked if that was the final design. Uh, but it's interesting to me that Pinside yanks down Stern leaks when Stern does absolutely nothing for Pinside, right? If you think about it, they Stern doesn't activate on Pinside. Stern doesn't post on Pinside. Stern doesn't do anything for Pinside, yet Pinside does something for Stern. Uh, it's probably just Robin being a good guy. It really is, though. It's funny to me because in the auto world, uh, when it, when a car, like a spy shot of a car is seen out in the world, uh, people share it all over the place. But it's different with pinball because this isn't like this game is out at a barcade in, you know, in disguise and, and it's a white wood and someone took a picture. Uh, it really is artwork. And But the thing about Munsters is nobody's seen the play field. Nobody's seen the layout. The design still is a mystery. Um, we know that it's going to be, I'm hearing now it's Franchi on art, Borg is designing it, and Sullivan is doing the code. And so I look forward to it. To it. I really do. Um, from what I see, I'm, I 
potentially could be putting one next to my Batman, and I'll leave it at that. But I think Stern's got another hit on their hands. Uh, and I hope they don't beat up anybody for these leaks always will happen. It's just the nature of pinball. Um, all right. What else is going on in Stern World? Nothing much. You know, it's it's. I'm not going to just manufacture news and, and make up stuff and, and talk about Stern issues when I, I'm really not seeing any. I'll read some of your emails. I think someone wrote about Stern quality. I saw this. This was interesting. Someone put up a thread. It was called Price Check. Keller Restored Monster Bash. All right. And he was asking how much is a Keller Restored Monster Bash worth now in 2018? And, you know, for collectors out there, uh, we all, a few years ago, remember it was like Keller Restored Games, Hep Restored Games. You know, these things were always fetching far above $10,000, you know, $12,000. It, it was the wait list to get a game restored by these gentlemen was, was uh, maybe sometimes even a year or more to wait for your game to be restored. And then Chicago Gaming Company had to go and completely fuck up everybody's plans to collect these restored, you know, high-end pins from yesteryears because they just basically said, we're going to remake them all, we're going to improve upon the display, and we're going to give you a topper, and we're actually going to make the game look more like a modern version of the game you love, and it's brand new, new in box. Right, so you don't have to go pay someone to completely restore a game that uh, has been around for 20 years, you know, being beat on in arcades or or whatnot. So it, it completely fucked. To me, I think the remakes have completely fucked up the high-end restore market. But I think there's another thing happening too, because everyone always just says that, like, oh, Monster Bash remake is the reason why you're never going to sell a restored Monster Bash for eleven thousand dollars right now. I'm not even so sure it's just that. I think the other thing that is really going to chip away at the value of games like Monster Bash, of the older games, I think the biggest thing that is going to constantly see the prices decrease is simply this, is people want the newer machines. There are so many new games coming out that people want to play that there's only so much money people will invest, there's only so much room people have for pinball machines that people want the new shiny thing. They want the new experience. People have played Monster Bash for over 20 years. People have played these games, I think like almost 30 years, right? They, maybe 20 years. So they've played these games for so many years that the experience of playing a Monster Bash is never going to be new again. And the more they play it, the more I think games do get boring. And even if the game is great, you will reach a point where you just want a new experience. And the great news, if you're in the pinball hobby right now, is so many new games are coming out and will come out that I just think people would rather get the new stuff, right? Now, look, I still think Monster Bash Remake will sell well. I think Big Bang Bar remakes will sell well. Of course, these games are classics. And I actually think people are going to want the CGC versions of these games more than the originals. I'm not one of these people who believes in serial matching original Bally Williams games will be the ones that collectors always want. I, I don't think that's the case. I think people are going to want the, the newer versions. Uh, and again, I, because I think that what they're delivering and if they start reworking code, forget it. It's the new stuff people will want. 
So I think those two elements are working to constantly drive down the price of those games. All right. All right. We heard on this week in pinball. First of all, uh, Jeff, congratulations on the one year anniversary. Your site has been a godsend to anybody out there who does a pinball podcast. And I think your site has also been a godsend to anyone out there who just wants to learn what's going on in the pinball world without having to deal with all of the pinball drama and the negativity on the forums. Uh, you just get the info and you're on. I like the fact, I even like the fact that there's no comment section so you don't have to like listen to people just being negative and, and spewing all this hate, all right? We heard that uh, Spooky does not have the license for Godzilla yet. I know that's like a dream theme for them. I kind of wish like, no, I, you know, I want Spooky to be able to make the themes that are their dream themes, and I, I hope they get a chance to. I, I'm Part of me worries that Stern will gobble up these themes, uh, and then the people making them won't have the same level of passion that Spooky would put into the game. Although you could argue that from a mechanical and engineering standpoint, uh, Stern could do much more with their resources than Spooky ever could in making a Godzilla game. And so that's 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 the trade-off, is Stern's resources far outnumber Spooky's, uh, but Spooky's passion for a title like that, I think, would, would blow Stern away. Um, and it's, that's not to say Stern people aren't passionate about these themes, because I think a lot of people are passionate about Godzilla. It must kill Charlie to see Stern Pinball making the monsters. I mean, when your your company is called Spooky Pinball, and, and and that sort of like horror sort of you know genre, monsters is exactly the kind of game that should have a little ghost on the speaker grill, and it must it must hurt them that that Stern is making that title. All right, any I, there's not much going on in the spooky world. People are waiting for Alice Cooper Nightmare Castles. There's some discussion about Rob Zombie pinball machine and getting the code to be finally complete. Some guy wants his reverse flippers really badly. Uh, I, I think Roto Dave is in that thread constantly saying how great the game is. Um, I think you know Rob Zombie uh, is going to go down as like a, you know just a B title. I don't think it's going to go down as one that people like are clamoring to get. I did find it interesting that someone was offering a Alice Cooper Nightmare Castle spot. They were selling their spot for for nine hundred dollars, so you could get their spot for a hundred dollars cheaper than if you were to go in originally. And I'm wondering if this is going to create it's going to be an interesting trend. Is if people start selling spots, what that looks like, and are people going to have to offer some sort of incentive for you to go in on their game? So we'll see what happens there. Um, Anything else going on? Let's see. Do, 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 do. Jersey Jack Pinball. The new Hobbit code update seems to be going really well. Um, there might be a problem with the ramp hold magnet that people are noticing. Uh, the Pirates of the Caribbean thread is where exactly you would expect it to be at this stage in development. Right before a game comes out. Right before a game ships. Here's always what happens in the community. People start to create salacious and false rumors about there must be something wrong. I don't think there's anything wrong. I I, 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 I firmly believe we are going to see Pirates of the Caribbean very shortly. I don't think the sky is falling. I think people just get impatient and I think they start to like panic a little bit. And I think that's just a byproduct of people being excited. I also think 
every single Jersey Jack thread always invites the trolls to come in and just say negative stuff. For some reason, the trolls love to complain about pinball manufacturing when they aren't even going to buy a game, right? It's really easy to go in there and shit stir and be like, something's wrong. Like, they must not have sales or dialed in sales must not have been, you know, no. Like, there is no information to indicate anything is wrong. Uh, the only thing we know is the game is coming out far later than we expect it. And I do think the delay is definitely going to hurt sales. Definitely. I, there, there's no way around it. I, I don't think they're going to sell out of the collector's editions. Um, but here's what I'm excited to do. And I know I've been sort of like, I don't like the theme. I think this is the theme we have. This is the theme we're getting. It's not the theme we want it. Okay, put that aside. It is what it is. I still do want to jump on the game and play it and put my headphones on and see what the experience is like. Okay, I just, that's what I want to do. And, 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 and I think we're at the point now we're all, we're, all that's left is for us to play Pirates of the Caribbean and make up our minds on it. I've probably been somewhat unfair in, in like crucifying the choice of theme and this and that, right? And how they're launching the game. And yeah, like Jack did everything he said he wasn't going to do. All that being said, the games could still be great. I don't, like, I don't have firsthand experience saying I've played Pirates of the Caribbean and it's not great or it's not fun or it's not this or it's not that. No, all I can do is watch videos and say, I don't want to keep pressing the stupid apron, um, you know, the apron button to collect gold all the time. I don't want to do that. I don't want to, you know, it's, but I don't know what the actual experience is like. And I think people who have played it have had a really good experience. So that's, I'm just going to leave it at that. I want to I want to play the game, all right? All right. Anything else going on in the pinball world that I should know about that I've missed on this episode of Canada's Pinball Podcast? Not really, not really. You know, I, I think we're at a point now where I'm really curious as to what's going on at Deep Root. I want to talk to Robert Mueller ho- hopefully hopefully sometime soon. I do like the fact that they've sort of just gone quiet. I think it is beneficial to just go quiet until you have something to say or show. Uh, But better to show than say in pinball, right? I think people have been curious as to where the pinball brothers at, where they they've gone off and they're going to go make queen. Uh, I, I I don't think they're going to succeed. There's just no way they can uh, survive and people will forget and people will go in on a, a, another machine by the by the same people who tried to salvage Andrew Highway's dream um, but look I, I'll never understand the decisions people make in pinball I just won't I'll never understand how successful men in the world of business always seem to make foolish decisions when it comes to pinball and I have to imagine behind all of these rich men who keeps sinking money into pinball, there's a significant other in their life, whether it's their children or their wife or their partner, who's probably like, what the fuck are you doing? You're telling me that you're going to sink $100,000 or $500,000 into a pinball venture uh, f- like, and take five years to try and get the game off the ground. It's like, it's like why? Why? Um, 
Is there any news on Homepin and Thunderbirds? Do you even care? No, I'm just going to skip over that game. All right, let's talk about some of your emails, and then I'm going to let you guys go. Uh, here we go. Let's go down. We're going to go down from the bottom up. All right, let's see. This is the first new email I got from Todd Yoder, and the subject is Mystery Pin. Chris, I enjoy your podcast, and I just heard your announcement of the mystery game coming. I am intrigued. Please add me to your list of interested collectors and potential buyers. All right, Todd, you're on the list. I got an email from Andrew um, Frazee. I hope I pronounced that right, Andrew. He said, hey, Chris, first time emailing you. Thank you for your podcast. Your style is very entertaining and digestible. I noticed this listing for Stern Pinball on Glassdoor. This could at least partially account for the quality issues lately. Okay, I believe Glassdoor is like in, in like what it, it's a site that tells you what people make at pinball or not sorry what people make at companies it's sort of like seeing behind the glass door so you, people share like salary ranges and they i think they can write stuff anonymously um to share what a company pays and so here we have let's see quality manager at stern pinball so i guess these are jobs they're looking for and it looks like quality manager do 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 I guess they're looking for a quality manager at Stern Pinball, and that was posted nine days ago. There's a couple other companies that they're not pinball related, where the salaries for quality manager range from $63,000 all the way to $110,000. Um, look, I, Stern Quality, it, 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 for you have to remember how many games Stern makes. If the majority of Stern games had quality issues, Stern would be out of business. I, I, I don't think there's any denying that. Would I have liked to have seen them, you know, put cabinet brackets into a, a super early Batman? Absolutely. Have I had any problems with my Batman? I had a node board go down and they replaced it immediately. So I think for the most part, all pinball machines will have issues. Stern will help you get a fix. Look, if there's one company that I would, I, I if there's one company, uh, I don't, you know, I look, I think Jack's quality. I think their customer service is great. I think Stearns is great. I think American Pinballs is great. I think Spookies is great. I think all of the companies that are surviving the sort of, uh, you know, the, 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 uh, the apocalypse of the boutique pinball industry have great customer service because without a doubt, you can't survive in pinball without customer service. You know, and, and that's a telltale sign uh, that a company is, is doing well is they actually pick up the phone when you call and they get you replacement parts. All right, I got an email from Dan G. Dan says, you know, the title was Upcoming Mystery Pinball. You see, you're, there's a common theme here. Um, he says, hey, Canada, I've been listening to your podcast for a couple months now. I'm really glad you came back. I'm a collector out in California, and I'd love to be put on your interested list. All right. Well, Dan, thank you for listening. I'm happy to be back. I think there's a lot of guys like you, man, who are collectors and just want something new and interesting. Uh, I think a lot of people who are pinball collectors, uh, you know, a lot of them don't share their collections on Pinside. A lot of them aren't very vocal on the forums. And there's a, there's a, there's a lot of people out there that are just these amazing personalities, a lot of successful men out there, and they, they don't need to flaunt it. They don't need to brag about it. 
um, but they do want to have a work of art. And here's the other thing. You know, I keep saying, like, it's not just that the fact that this mystery pin, I believe, is going to be rare. It's not just the fact that I think it's going to be beautiful. I, I also am hopeful that it's just going to be a damn good game. Like, isn't that the most important thing? Now, look, I say all this with a caveat um, because this is being built on a shoestring budget and all the hard work is being self-financed by somebody. And it's this isn't something that has like all these backers, has all this stuff. But again, it's not a lot of plan to be made. Like if I told you someone's going to make 20 games and then I told you someone's going to make 2,000, which one is more likely to happen, right? I'm going to make 250 pinball circuses or we're going to make 12 which, which one do you think will happen, right? And that's, that's what's happening here. You know, I think we all believed, even, like, even though it was in his mom's basement, we all believed that Kevin Kulik probably would have screwed those games together and got them to people. And, and, you know, as amazing as that sounds, saying it now, I still think he would have done it if, if the witch hunt didn't happen, all right? All right, I got an email from George... Uh, George is, uh, I can't pronounce your last name, George, George H. George, thank you for emailing me. He says, hey, bro, love the podcast, keeping it real. I'm interested in this exclusive machine. If you can put me down on the list, I'm in Australia near Wayne and Ryan. All the best, boss. Well, George, thank you. Um, I'm not sure if it will be shipping internationally, but I bet you Wayne will want this because Wayne grabs everything. I got an email, do, 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 do. This is spam email asking me how to monet, they want to monetize my site. I got an email from George Went. George says, hey, Chris, would you mind adding me to the people interested in the rare pinball machine that you mentioned in your podcast? If it's a theme I like, I would be very interested in a collectible game. Like you, I have a Batman SLE and I have a Pirate CE on order just patiently waiting for it to ship. Thank you so much. Well, George, yeah, I mean, look, here's the deal. Here's the deal, guys. Maybe I didn't clarify something, and, and, and I want to clarify something. This game, it's going to be like first come, first get it, like kind of thing. I, there will probably have to be some pre-order dollars put down for the machine, again, because that's how it's going to work. It's not going to be paying full. It's not going to work like that. Um, but I think when you see something... I don't think you're going to have a problem putting a small deposit down to reserve your game. Um, that's, 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 look, and, and here's the thing. I mean, game number one, I, I'm going to, I want to go in on. But knowing all I know, you remember this, knowing all I know about what has happened in the pinball hobby over the last few years, I will not be fooled. I will not be suckered. I will not go in on anything unless I feel confident that it's actually going to happen. And I say this because we all know that making pinball is hard. You know, there's another company that also is supposed to be coming out with a game sometime. Uh, I, and I have not heard from them since. Uh, and their game looked like it was done. And then they just like disappeared. Uh, and I don't know, like, what's the deal there? And, I, and, and again, like, there's those of you in the hobby who know some of these things going on and those of you who don't. But 
If you are not one that wants to take a little bit of a risk, then you should just stick with Jersey Jack, Stern, Spooky, American Pinball, Chicago Gaming. <laughs> There's so many. There's so many sure things. There's so many games in a box. The only problem is when you buy all those games in a box that, that are sure things, there's a very, very good chance that you are just not going to have a pinball experience that is rare and that is worth collecting, per se. And that's just my opinion. I think collectibles should be something that isn't found everywhere. And, and that doesn't... See, I just think you can own pinball machines, but I think you're always going to want to shuffle those games out of your collection. But you'll, you'll, you'll be very hesitant to let a very rare thing go that would be hard to replace, okay? That's why people who own, think about it, people who own original Kingpins or the original King Kong from Data East, why don't those games come up for sale often? Because it's not about the money. It's about the ability to actually get one again, right? And nobody wants to feel like if they regret selling it, they won't have it again. And there's nothing like having a super rare item in a collection that you can tell a story about. It's like when I used to have my arcade collection, I could always tell the amazing story of the Fix-It Felix Jr. game and how Disney made it and what they did and how they scuffed it up and how they, you know, they used it as a promotion. It had a story. It had a story. If I, if I had a Pac-Man there, oh yeah, they made 200,000 of these. Oh, they only made like 40 of these Fix-It Felix Jr., half of which were destroyed when they got rid of Disney Quest, and only 20 of them are in the wild. And if you want to play a Disney original, there's only 20 available out there in the world. Now it becomes worth something. Now it becomes worth collecting. All right, guys, I appreciate you tuning in to episode 248. I would love to hear from you. How is your pinball summer going? What are you looking forward to in pinball? Um, what's the thing that's got you most excited? Please email me. I, 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 I want to stop just emailing the generic, like, you know, reading the emails about the mystery pin. Email me what's got you most excited in the pinball hobby right now, and I will read. I will read that out on the air. Again, canadapinball at gmail.com. Everybody, be happy. Be healthy. Enjoy your pins. It's just pinball. Don't crucify people. Don't go on witch hunts. Don't, don't, you know, don't get too mad about games if they're delayed in shipping. And if you lost money, we feel bad for you. Uh, but everyone, you know, we've all learned a lesson. And I think we've all grown up a little bit and realized the reality of making pinball. That's episode 248. I'm going to leave you with this crazy little Japanese anime song. Enjoy. Enjoy. <laughs>